Greetings everyone, I hope you're all well wherever you are in whichever part of the world. Uh, I'm really pleased to uh, be on the show today, uh, especially after the first show was, uh, let's just say, an interesting start with my guest Malk Staves. It was my fault really, I should have sent the communicado a bit better. But um, nevertheless, I'm really pleased, uh, it's a two-week gap and I've got a fantastic guest today. Uh, with uh, James Pomeroy. James is the Director of Health, Environment, Safety and Security at Lord's Register. And let's just get straight into the show and actually bring JP onto the show. James, JP, how the devil are you? I am very good, Sonny, and hello to everybody. Well, I spoke to you about, let me think, must have been three or four, maybe five weeks ago, and we were just having a banter and I said, look, we talked about X, we talked about Y and Z, and the conversations went all over the place. And I said, that would be a real good conversation on, on the live event. I mean, I think it's a little bit prickly, some of the <laughs> areas that we might go into. Hey, let's just get the dirty washing out into the public, as they say, right? Let's so let's start off with you and a little bit of your background. What are you up to? What are you doing? Where are you, et cetera? So um, for those that know me, I've been involved in safety for about 25, 28 years, something like that. Um, I am currently the safety and environmental director for Lloyd's Register, but I am uh, in the fi final two weeks of that role and I will move to a new role with Arup in about two weeks time. So I'm excited to be with everybody. Um, I think just a bit about my background. Uh, I've worked internationally on safety and risk for best part of about 20 years. I'm really interested in kind of different thought and different ideas in safety, not necessarily wedded to one particular theory, but just thinking about problems differently. And um, in my spare time, I spend a fair bit of time studying kind of theory and philosophy of safety. Wow. You, you're certainly going to touch a lot of areas today. So as you know, JP, we have a live chat going on the back, and it is super busy. You are, you're attracting the crowds here, no doubt. I mean, we've got Vince. Hi, Vince. How are you? Dom Cooper, great to see you on the show. Mark, always nice to see you. Irada from Azerbaijan, great to see you, Irada. Simon, speak to, well, there's loads of folks. Uh, uh, Basha's on. My good friend Tim Tilson's on. So a lot of people are on. Let's open the Pandora's box, okay? So when we talked about safety, what's going on? Are we losing the plot? I guess, I guess I'm to blame. I, I, I couched the seed and I said, oh, JP, I'm fed up with some of the nonsense out here at the moment with uh, people saying this or people saying that, et cetera, et cetera. But what, what, when we talk about what's going on, are we losing the plot? Perhaps you could frame it for us in terms of what the plot is and what's going on. 
Yeah, so there's been a, a couple of kind of um, discussions going on. So things like, uh, I mean, I term it kind of safety wars. So there's big, big right. discussions going on about theory. So they've been going on for about four to five years. Um, and I don't kind of have a dog in either of those kind of fights, but I'm particularly kind of interested in where that goes. I think more recently, particularly over the last six months, there's been lots of awakening of, of the ethical kind of duty and moral obligation of safety. Um, and I think without going into too much detail I think for me safety is a, is an ethical calling it's a profession that we do to keep people safe and we need to have an ethical compass and we need to frame what we do as being an ethical purpose um, we're there to protect people that's what we're there we're not truth slayers and we're not there to kind of come out in terms of good or bad but to actually try and do everything we can and whichever theory or flavor we approach safety to to do our best in that sense yeah, I mean, Paul's jumped in with a question straight away. So do you have to have the plot first off in order to lose it? Wow, good question. That's deep and meaningful. <laughs> That's Paul Daly for you. <laughs> Paul's in construction, by the way. So um, I know Paul well. Yeah, maybe the construction folks have got their plot and their act a little bit better in terms of some of their other areas. You know, I, I don't know. I mean, folks on chat, folks in LinkedIn, Twitter, uh, and YouTube, please do ask your questions as well. Do you? I'll ask you, do you think we're losing the plot? So when we talk about the plot, though, are we talking about it from a technical perspective or are we just talking about this culture thing where... It's, you can't. You're afraid to say something. What, what, what's what's that then? Yeah, I think I think first and foremost, let's come back to this kind of ethical debate. So we need to kind of actually, I think, actually ask who are we there to serve and who are we there to to ultimately to protect. Um, and I think you know most obviously it's employees. Um, and I think that really must drive everything that we do. So I think there's an ethical piece, um, but it's not just about who we serve. It's about what we do. So wow. there's kind of methods of, of operation of safety. And you know, you can just go onto LinkedIn and see stuff that you think, would any other profession be posting videos of people injuring or killing themselves? Um, not killing themselves, but being killed in the line of duty. I don't know anyone would, would, but we don't kind of think about safety and we don't think, well, that's that's really ethically questionable doing that sort of thing. And then how we treat people. There's many different ways of doing investigations. And I don't sit here and say that I have the solution for any of them. But one of the things that should guide all of them is about actually how we treat people and using phrases like victims because they are victims. They've suffered accidents and we are there to actually help them. But I think there's a bigger piece in in your kind of question about you know where we are because we're to kind of extend the debate out, Sonny. We're at a super interesting place in safety. Many of you on this um, webinar have been working in safety for thirty, maybe forty years or more. Yeah. I think for, for for those who've been around a long time, actually, there's real kind of crossroads now in terms of theories and ideas that are coming through. There's technologies that are going to enable us to do things that themselves raise questions. And there's some really interesting kind of ideas about where safety should be going. I mean, I think this week we've celebrated, um, participated in, in, in World Menopause Day and there was World Mental Health Day that's recently taken place. Now, all of these are you know, are new chapters and new discoveries for safety. And there is a debate to be had about how much that is an HR or a safety piece. And well, I think 
what I would say with all of that is we can do all of these areas so long as they don't take us away from people and process safety, because fundamentally mm -hmm. making sure people go home safely, it must always be the cardinal driving force of what we do. I mean, absolutely. I mean, go home safely has been my mantra for many, many years. And we use it now, but I'm not sure how much meat, sort of weight there is behind there. Got a couple of interesting com comments come through. One from uh, Mal. Mal says, question, stop, stop using the terms priority when it should be value. How do you classify it, uh, JP? Mm, I think that's, that's super interesting. So I was privileged to be part of a, a project with the found with the Lloyd's Register Foundation where we were actually looking at this question of value. Do, is it is mm. it a is it value or values? So in other words, is it something that we actually say safety is a value, and we need to see that, or is it can we actually put a value on it now? The value piece is interesting because in the medical profession they do that. They actually put a value on the cost of medicine and the cost of healthcare, and they call it a quality. Um, and they actually say that we have to actually crack calculate. Now, I'm not suggesting we do that, but this mm. whole piece about thinking about values, I think is super interesting. And we mm. certainly do need to do it. I think it takes the debate in a different area entirely. Mm -hmm. Well, you've put a seed in my in my noggin here about a question I want to ask you. But before I jump into my question, it's important to capture the live chatters questions. And VB, nice one here. It says, reputation laundering is winning in health and safety not ethical behavior using evidence-based facts trying that is damaging to those trying to be ethical fair balanced proportional reasonable hmm is this the question about environmental social and governance i guess that's what vince is alluding to is that, i mean is that is that more of a primer now or a primary objective than keeping things safe yeah, I'm not quite sure how to interpret that, but I think certainly there is a huge debate about where safety sits within ESG and actually um, what role it has to play, um, particularly as the whole ESG momentum has been gone a bit of a awry recently, um, where numbers have become the, the kind of key factor in terms of judging someone's ESG rating rather than value and what the organization's value is. But yeah, I think that's a challenge for us. Mm. I think Dom's, Dom's come in with something here. It says ethical issues are a problem right across the EHS landscape. Going back to the basics seem to be the way forward to reset what is happening. Yeah, I think we've talked about going back to the basics a number of times there, but what are we actually doing in terms of making that happen? Uh, it's an interesting one. So what, one of the things that Dom and I share in terms of um, having spoken to, to you know to him a number of times and been privileged to kind of learn from him, I'd say one of the things I absolutely share with Dom is the fact that yes, we can get involved in well-being and we can you know take the lead in some of these areas, but it absolutely can't come um, without forgetting the basics. My fear is that we're going to take everything and going to become all-encompassing in terms of health, well-being, and, and doing a lot of the stuff that HR should be doing. Um, or a probably better place to do, should I put it that way. Um, and it could take us away from some of the critical things about life critical controls. That's, I think, a fear that a, a concern that I have. Yeah, I think I share that with you. And Vince has said, Don Cooper, absolutely yes, back to basics, plan and control work. Now, we've sort of opened, um, we've sort of peeked into the box here on this uh, topic we've got of what's going on, are we losing the plot? I want to dive in a little bit deeper now, and this is where we might get into 
some conversations that might be a bit more prickly. So I'll, I'll let you sort of gauge on how you want to answer that. You've been doing quite a number of posts on um, uh, LinkedIn on various bits and pieces. And I know you've come under some flack for some of that and other people have sort of backed you up on that as well. Just give us a little bit of background to that in, in as best a way as you can. And then maybe we can talk about that a little bit more. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the stuff I put on LinkedIn is not, it almost always is either to share because I think that sharing knowledge is really important or because, and I genuinely mean this because I'm interested in people's different views. It's perspectives, I think, that we need to aim for, not truth. Um, I think truth is a real problem for any of us on this call to say that we know the absolute truth on something, I think is really problematic. And I think we learn by understanding people's different perspectives and actually being genuinely curious about why someone has a different view. That said, there are red lines for me. And I think some of the stuff that's been said about how to conduct investigations, if that's mm -hmm. kind of where we're going with the conversation, that to me is a real problem because, you know, I'm like many on this call, I came into safety because I had to deal with fatalities. I had to deal with three people who died from asbestos um, and then have had to deal with some very serious accidents. I've seen when it goes wrong and I've, I've seen when, when incident investigations are badly conducted and people are put into therapy as a consequence of that. Yeah. So when I read the idea that we are there as truth slayers to actually say black and white, I think, no, absolutely not. That's not our role. We are not yeah. there to do that. We are a caring profession that is there to look after people and to help organizations learn. Yeah. Um, so when, when notions of truth come up and notions of actually you need to, to, to put put the thumbscrews on people to get truth out of it. That's a red line for me. That's something that is morally objectionable to me. Yeah. Um, I always remember Dom Cooper when I, when I had a few sessions with him, he, he, he said something to me, which has always stuck to me, uh, stuck in my head. And that is he talks about putting old wine in a new bottle. Right. Um, and, and, and I think you're right in the sense that maybe we take whatever we did for many, many, many years, we put it in a new bottle with a view to making a, a you know a lot of money in our wallet and it's getting more and more and more commercialized mm -hmm. so there is i do see elements of that happening um got some interesting comments come in actually jp uh jorge says lloyd sent some people to work inspection but i saw in several cases ah now that the main focus is for the insurance risk but not increased safety it is an opportunity to add value what's your opinion yeah, I think you're right. I think every organization can add value. I can't speak to those particular cases, but you know, it depends what the individuals are employed for. But the, the mm. concept of adding value should should be everything that we do. Yeah. 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 I mean, let, let, Sonny, let's go back to something you said a moment ago, because I think I'm sure you raised something that I'm really interested in, right? So sure. if we think about and I don't wish to open this up to a whole debate about philosophical differences, but I just I just want to say this, right? One of the things that we have with the safety wars in different views on whether it's BBS or HOP or whether it's safety one or safety two, and I know a lot of that is kind of artificial debates, seems to be in search of there is a perfect way. Now, what, what, you know, I don't know any other profession that aims to have the perfection and says there's a unified single way of doing it. Um, because there isn't. You know, there, if, if your flavor is doing behavioral based safety and it works for you, fantastic 
if your way of doing it is very prescriptive, tailorist kind of procedures, and that works for you and the workforce, then that's fine also. Or if you're interested in a new view, I think part of the debate is we end up putting these theories around and saying, my theory is better than yours. Yeah. And I actually think what we should be saying is, you know, which particular approach works best. And it's probably like when I'm a child used to go to the ice cream seller and say, I'll have a bit of that and a bit of that and possibly a bit of this. Yeah, I, I couldn't. I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, pre pre social media days, we always were taking procedures from other companies, right? And mm. we used to then adapt it to what our company needed. We didn't actually say, "Well, this is the best one on the shelf, and this is going to be just as good for us," right? We were always going through that continuous improvement process and going forward. But now, in the social media days, it seems as if we we add currency to the to the volume that there is, you know, and the size of the volume. And look, my 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 car is bigger than yours. It's a Ferrari, and I've, mm. I've, but we don't actually have evidence to support it in in the real sense. I mean, I and we probably probably that. won't for some of it. Yeah, you know? um, yeah. yeah. But I, there is something else you talked about, which is um, for good or bad, a lot of the ideas come through and are pushed for a commercial gain. Um, so it's very difficult in safety to pull out what is academically based theory evidential from what has a commercial side. Now, that's not a criticism because I'm one who's, who loves these types of podcasts and gains so much from them. And you have to pay for it. You have to pay for these webinars, conferences and, and the articles that are written. But we need to go into this open eyed as an intelligent customer, knowing that mm maybe it's not being sold 100% in terms of being the perfect solution because there may be a commercial end to it. That is yeah. not a dig. It's just asking people to be open-eyed to what they're, what they're being presented with. Yeah, very good point. I mean, we try and make these commercial free and mm. uh, uh, mon not monetized in, in, in the sense that, you know, we charge for webinars and things. I think this sort of knowledge, this sort of discussion should be free for people to, yeah, to get totally. from. Let, let's catch up on some more. Uh, while you and I have been talking, the scrolls have been going here. So let's just catch up a little bit. Uh, Mal says, do you think that technology is outpacing the learning curve and thus causing more of a hindrance than an aid? This is the, uh, uh, I've forgotten the name of the lady now, and she talked about Safety 3, um, uh, where she says, well... well Nancy, Nancy Leveson, was it? That's the, that's the one, yeah. So she says, well, you know, forget Safety 1 and Safety 2. I can't get any sense out of those people. What about this over overburdening technology issues. What's your thought on that, JP? Right. So I, I think over the last two years, we've gone through a kind of a technology kind of transformation. For the, for many folks, they've had to use apps for safety. The first time they've ever had to use, they've had to track and trace. Um, some of them have even been using, you know, technology that we know is not particularly evidential, like, you know, temperature monitoring where you go into buildings. I think technology is at a point that it's really going to start to take off. But at the heart of Mount's question is something really interesting, which is about 30 years ago when they introduced black box on planes, the evidential threshold changed. And so the accident investigator knew more than actually anybody who survived the aircraft crash, right? Imagine a situation where we've got technology in the workplace that will know more than the individual can remember. Because, you know, folks like Dom, who are specialists in psychology, will tell you that we just can't remember some of this stuff. An accident, our memory always plays tricks with us. But the, the evidential threshold may change with some of this technology, and we may know more than actually the individual themselves. Now there introduces another ethical slant into this where we're gonna to need to pause and say, do we understand the ethical boundaries of what we're introducing? Have we really thought this through? 
Yeah, well, my, you got my mind thinking about these things now. I don't know. I don't. I don't think anybody's actually assessed that as a risk. To be honest with you, I think, I think it's a good point there. Um, now, going back to a comment Don made earlier, and you responded to it, he says, "Thanks, JP. Good answer, Simon Rosser. What is truth? Truth varies according to perspective. Wow, another deep question for you there, JP." Yes, perspectives, isn't it? I mean, yeah. if only we could actually have an, a discussion about accident investigations and actually say there are certain things which are which are you know which are which can clearly be proven as as um, evidential, and we can say categorically they happened. Metal fatigue is an example of that. You know, things that are factual and evidential. But when it comes to people, it's going to be about perspectives. If I slip over or have an accident, you interview me. It's going to be what I can remember. And we know from all the science around psychology that actually memories play tricks with us. So it's about perspectives and whether there are differences of opinion, then it's about understanding and putting those together and being open and saying, this is one view, this is another. But the notion that there is truth, it, it, it's so flawed. I mean, w when people put forward the idea of truth, they clearly haven't heard about the Reformation. Yes. And you don't know if they're speaking the truth at that point. Anyway, they could be lying. <laughs> Anyone who says to me, well, I'm going to tell you the truth now. And I think, are you really? Okay. Mm. Um, now, uh, Vince has chimed in. Your LinkedIn posts are overwhelmingly good, interesting, thought-provoking, and valuable. Keep them going, please. There you go. I think Thank you should as well. I think you should poke an eye in, in the... Uh, in the finger of the uh, finger in the eye, some of these things get people riled up. And and Dom says yes, we should definitely focus on what works. Now, our good friend Mark Mark Houghton, he says I agree. too. truth is deeply problematic. People are much more open if you explore variation, not truth. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, but how often do we talk about using the word perspective? I went through looking at some accident books over the weekend as part of my studies. And, you know, the truth appears in there uh, a lot, but perspectives and opinion doesn't appear so much. So we, yeah. we, we may be chasing something that doesn't exist or we can't get to. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Bondana, I haven't seen you before, Bondana. Nice to see you. It says, again, if we talk safety focus here from time to time, technology, systems, culture. And Paul's Chinese saying Nancy Levinson. Thanks, Paul. I was actually reminded as well by JP. So my, my question in my head that I mentioned earlier on is when we talk about value, we talk about adding value, as safety practitioners, risk management practitioners, whatever label you want to put on it, we talk about KPIs, don't we? And I was watching a program a few days ago where it talks about Bhutan, and Bhutan have this uh, gross national happiness uh, instead of gross domestic product or whatever. Should we then be looking towards safety in the sense of something like that, a value built into key performance indicators and so on? Do we already have something? I think, you know, when you take value, value is a really subjective element. And that, that's mm. where it starts to become problematic because one of the challenges around safety is we've tried to create a uniform set of metrics that we know are problematic. So LTIs and lagging metrics which are a debate in themselves, but they create a degree of uniformity for all their good or bad. <clears throat> the problem with value is value will not be transferable. What's valuable in one organization from a safety perspective may differ from another. Um, and it becomes much more about perspective. So I think value is something you want to aim for. We're probably more likely to get that for opinions um, and feedback surveys rather than hard metrics, I would suspect. Yeah, I've, I've been to companies where 
the first indication to me of what their mind or their thought processes are when they start to talk more about lagging indicators, you know, oh, we did bad last year, we did bad this month, we did bad. I'm thinking, why are you always thinking the glass is half empty? You know, why are you not looking at the other side in terms of leading metrics as well and trying to encourage that? So we, we, instead of adding value, we're actually taking value away. We're subtracting it. Maybe we should do a little bit more in terms of language as well, how you how you communicate with the workforce and what's going on. And there's a whole conversation in that piece in itself, isn't there? Um, Mal says, accident investigations have done correctly view and assess only the facts, disregarding anything anecdotal. Ooh, ah, hmm, interesting. Paul says, the latest The Safety at Work podcast is worth a listen on this topic regarding the language used in investigations influences can have. Yes, absolutely. I've listened to that a few times. It is quite a good um, podcast, that one. Vin says, I've been engaged with tech developers. I've created wearable brain damage, brain imaging sensor to prevent accidents, injuries, errors, improve performance, and prevent burnout. Any views on that type of tech, JP? Have we got George Orwell back from the dead then? <laughs> That's the, quite some tech you've got there, Vince. I'd like to oh, I'd yeah. like to know more there. I'm a bit worried now because I'm meeting him for a coffee in a, in a couple of weeks. I wonder he's going to bring some big helmet along and say, put yeah. this on your head. <laughs> going to be like the Matrix, isn't he? He's going to have you yeah. in the network. <laughs> I'll just take the uh, the red bill or whatever it is. You know. uh, Dom says, safety to folks use trust mm. as a value, but we do not know how that metric impacts safety incident reductions. Will we ever know how that impacts it? I think that's really interesting, right? So, so what Dom's got getting at there is, you know, this issue about subjectivity, and it's it's I, it's a bit like when I used to play football, right? And so I used to play football, and then the guy used to move the goalposts because one of the difficulties with 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 Dom's question is if you take that to the safety too, they will then go to the end of his question and say we don't accept lagging metrics as an indicator, yeah. and so mm -hmm. automatically. I don't know for those that are familiar, but but back in the 90s, there was a big debate about science wars and there was a big debate about, um, uh, you know, the existence of God. Right. It was another one. And a lot of these debates about safety, too, I think, you know, I was, I was super interested in Dom's talk at this Congress that he's attending recently, because if I read correctly, he's talking about pragmatism and pragmatism is what I study. And the, the, the kind of element around pragmatism is there's actually set aside theory focus on the outcome and therefore you know if your idea is is you want to uh, to measure safety culture or you were interested in lost time accidents if that's a, a goal and a metric that works for you great or if you're interested in learning from normal work and trust um, and subjectivity is what you're after then that's fine also and we shouldn't get hung up on theory and that mm. fundamentally is what pragmatism is trying to teach us so i'm super interested yeah. to learn more about what dom's yeah. doing in that space yeah, so am I, I think. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm getting together with Mark in about three or four weeks uh, doing a live event uh, question time with Mark. And Mark mentioned in our initial discussions, uh, pracademia, right? I thought, wow, that's a good word, isn't it? Pract practical uh, approach to, uh, you know, academia, to, well, academy type events. And I thought, I actually Googled to see if anyone's actually got that. And someone's actually got it and created a website of it and everything. Um, so Mark, Mark actually says numbers, KPIs can take you away from what matters. They are abstract and take you away from constructing the mental representations of real events to real people. Is it because we tend to sort of tie KPIs to the bottom line and to profit and loss and everything else? What's your view, JP? I, I think the difficulty with 
with LTIs and any of those lagging metrics is if you read the, the, the recent literature, so they will say that they are statistically invalid because the numbers of them that you get, if you get an organization that has five or six of them in a year, you mm. get down to a number that they don't mean anything because they're statistically mm. invalid. Um, I think there's another problem. We all know that there's fun and games, but fundamentally the problem I have with any metric is that it becomes an intermediary. It becomes a representation. So let's just kind of talk, let's just talk for a moment, right? So rather than actually concerning ourselves with actually preventing injury, the metric itself becomes the goal. And we end up in debates and we've all been there where we sit around a table and we say, was it, a, was it, did it meet OSHA definitions or not? And we have more discussion about whether it met OSHA definitions. And then some people get into playing around with the numbers and so that it doesn't meet OSHA definitions yeah. rather than actually saying someone was injured. So the problem with metrics is more profound than actually whether they're the right metrics. It's actually they, they're an intermediary, that, that a bit like light through a prism that actually mm -hmm. changes what we view. So we start to focus on the metric, whether it's right, whether it's, you know, was met the criteria and not actually saying, how do we prevent someone being injured again? Wow, a bit of paralysis by analysis, I guess, isn't it? Well, uh, it's, it's, it's kind of representations. Anywhere there's an intermediary, it's, uh, you know, when you take this workers imagine workers done debate, fundamentally that's about representationalism. It's saying there's a procedure and actually the procedure doesn't represent the works of the way it's done. And we focus on the procedure rather than focusing on the work. Good, fair point, yeah. Uh, Peter says, uh, Peter, thanks for joining us. Vince Butler, real-time brain imaging sounds like a very interesting, if not hugely invasive approach to act and prevention. <laughs> Big question, <laughs> you, you had to spill the house. Big questions on ethics, trust, and potentially even free will without knowing more. Uh, I am really worried now that Vince is going to bring this helmet. He's going to stick on. I want to know here. what's in that coffee or tea <laughs> you're going to get in a few weeks. <laughs> uh, Dom says, thanks, uh, JP. Pragmatism rules okay. In fact, Peter's come back and said, James, you find the whole, you know, S1, S2, BBS, HOP, et cetera, debate to be more divisive and dogmatic than community building. My favorite word, community building, or community, I should say, within global safety. I'm quite new to the debate, but it can't, but it can seem very tribal. Oh yeah, and zero sum. There you go. What's your view on that? Yeah, listen, if yeah, this this silly debate about zero, it's a bit like having a debate with an evangelical Christian and saying, actually, you know, I don't believe in your God. And he says, I don't believe in your science. And you think, well, so what? If you if you want to believe in that particular deity or good God, then good. If you want to believe that you know there is no God, then fine. But we end up in this really silly debate about actually, you know, is zero harm a good thing or a bad thing? And and it, for my view, it is a silly debate because it's about preference and choice. If you genuinely believe that setting a target of zero is problematic, don't do it. But don't criticize someone else who decides that that's what they want to do. And don't start poking fingers at them saying, you know, it's 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 a problematic because they're probably intelligent enough to know all the limitations of it. And more often than not, actually, the decision about whether to set a goal of zero is made by the board. It's not often made. And we, we kind of hang this on the safety director and say, you made that choice. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that's done in safety. It's decided in the boardroom and is then imposed upon uh, the safety team. And so that's the direction we want to go in. Yeah, I mean, that's a really good point that it is bespoke. You know, you can't you can't take 
Like you can't take one thing as it applies to every organization, every sector, every discipline, and this is it. You know, I mean, every every organization has a different DNA, different culture, and all sorts of uh, bits going on. Simon says uh, the metrics become the target of focus rather than safety. I guess that's more or less what you're you're mentioning. Oh, Vince says Peter Jenkins, FC Labs, but University of Stirling are validating the tech and performance to lab. I'm getting really worried now. Um, so. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. I'm not coming for that to your coffee with you. Damn! And I thought you were going to join us, right? Okay. So Simon says, "Will Don Cooper report back from the EHS on the debate re zero targets?" Ah, yeah. Okay. Um, we don't know, Simon. We'll find out. Maybe we should get Dom on the show and give him get him to give us some feedback on that uh, EHS Congress, which I'm not happy about. By the way, that's another thing we won't go into there. What? Um, what is interesting about about all of these debates, right? Is <laughs> How many of them actually deal? How many of them go outside a circle of about 100 people? <laughs> no, no. So, so that's the kind of issue that I have. So I'm fortunate enough to have traveled around and been to manufacturing sites around the world. And, you know, when you get into debates about zero harm or, you know, the problems of measuring LTIs, and uh, we know all of those, actually, they don't permeate down. They, they are, they're literally about, I think I measured once when I looked on LinkedIn, it's about 50 people commenting. And then you go into the academic journals and there's about 18 to 20 authors all, yes. all you know, going in with a sense of certainty rather than a sense of curiosity. So the question for me would be, why does someone think zero harm is a good idea? And why, you know, why do they, if we can explain it and why do they think measuring something so if we went in with a sense of understanding curiosity i think we may end up with a bit more you know of a better debate mm. i i think i think my my sort of how can i put it thoughts on this are that we have a group of people i call them the, the a-listers okay we have a group of people who have their elbows so far out at the watering hole that they don't allow other thoughts or other processes or other new new concepts to come in. And these people are bringing in these new concepts, have been in the industry for 30, I'm not talking about myself here, I'm talking about various mm -hmm. other people, you know, have been in the industry 30, 40 years, have got the scars, have been through the process. They've got a lot to contribute. And yet they don't, they're not given a chance. You know, I think I that that is where I think we are losing the plot because if you do what you've always done, you'll get what you've always got. And that's, that's one of the problems I see, that these people keep talking about these safety one, safety two. Every day I look on LinkedIn or something, it's always the same conversations around the same piece, you know, the, the tribal wars going on between. You've got me going now. Look at this. It's not even, I'm not even supposed to talk about this. <laughs> uh, oh, look. Are, and Simon says, are people too afraid of the gurus to be criticized? I'm not afraid of them. I think I've invited them on the show and some of them won't even show up. But, but we're having an open conversation, aren't we, JP? No, I think, look, I, I'm not, I didn't wish to, this to sound as a criticism because of all colours and all persuasions, I learn stuff. Um, I mean, I will openly say that um, I, I'm not 100% convinced that there is such a thing as safety culture, but I genuinely want to go and learn from those people who think there is and um, who have a certain view on it. Um, I'm de definitely not certain on anything I know. In fact, the more that I study, the less I know. And I genuinely mean that. In some ways, I wish that I could go back 10 years and, and not have my eyes open to some of these concepts because it's quite nice to be certain. I remember the job before last, I went in and I went in with a real zero, zero harm mission. Um, 
and all of the stuff that goes along with that. And it was fantastic to be that certain that, that this is the purpose. I move into another job in two weeks time and I'm actually less certain about which particular approach to take. And it's going to be a much more case of listening. Mm. Well, um, we're, we've really racked up the time here. I'm just going to collect a few more conversations. Dom says, I keep trying to break the mold and get many people to talk about safety in all its glory. I know you do, Dom, and I know you get vilified for some of the things that you say, but don't let them grind you down. Keep going. And Mal says, how many of them actually deliver any of their thoughts at the cold face? Well, or even visit the cold face. I, I, I remember Scott Geller uh, and various people talking. We actually said, how many people have actually got past the visitor's gate? You know, they, they just seem to stick around there and, and go in for big meetings and out. So, so that we've racked up 36 minutes. The show's half an hour. I just want to talk to you a little bit more about you. And if people have questions, please come in again on these uh, live chats. Where's the future for JP? I know you're moving on. You're doing a, a course and various other things. You're always fighting in terms of getting these things more understood and bedded. What, what's your view on going forward? What, how can we change what's going on and losing the plot? I think there's some really interesting stuff going on in diversity. I think um, particularly bringing different voices and views into safety, I think is really important. So the concept of cognitive diversity, along with all facets of diversity is really important. It has for too long been a white man's game and we need to mm. actually view that differently and get some different views and voices in there. So I think that's particularly important for me personally. Um, having spent the best part of 30, well, coming up to 30 years in safety, moving into a into a different employer and a different sector and moving into Arab would be super interesting. Um, yeah. And just seeing what an organization like that is like. And I think for me personally, I've probably got another four, maybe five years of study um, with that I will pursue and, and those will keep me busy. Tell us a little bit about what you're studying. So I'm I'm stu I'm studying uh, something from pragmatism called semiotics. That's about the theory of signs. So it's about how we make meaning from signs. And I'm not talking here about safety signs. I'm talking about signs of language, um, signs of uh, body, uh, looking at uh, body language, but particularly looking at things like the signs of the representations we have in safety. So we have metrics, we have procedures. Um, and when we look at things like metrics or a spreadsheet, that is a sign. It's a sign of something going in the right direction or something going in the wrong direction. And so semiotics tries to make meaning. We think these things that we do in safety, these interventions, procedures and training, uh, accident investigations, we think that they function as we write them. So we write a procedure and then we say someone done, you know, will take the same meaning from them as we take them. Semiotics says no, there's a process of understanding and sense making in the middle. So when we do something as an intervention, a procedure, a process, a metric training, what the meaning that someone infers from it is very different. And that can try and explain why people do things like they do and take a different interpretation of things. So what I'm interested in is applying semiotics, which is one of the elements of pragmatism and bringing that into safety to say, how do we, how do we infer meaning from what people draw from all of these elements and artifacts that we have around safety? Wow. Fascinating. Hopefully when we're at the right juncture, I can tempt you to come back on the show and what five years time maybe yeah five years well who knows what will happen in five years time we've got a lot of other live chats coming so i'm just going to quickly cover them and then we'll we'll sort of uh, tidy it up um 
Uh, okay, so this is about the people, the watering hole and Mal says how many of them actually deliver any of their thoughts. Of the oh, we've covered that one. Uh, Mal says culture is really hard to pin down, but company regimes change from coast to coast. Yes, to do. How or what do we need to do to bring it all together and make working a safer area to be? The thing is, some the definitions of safety culture, and we think that's it. Great, we've got it covered, right? We've got a definition. Let's get on with things. Come on. Okay. Uh, Paul says, agree that the audience who actively debate these views perspectives are few. However, I believe the numbers at the aforementioned codeface with perceived zero LTI focus, etc., as unhelpful given their experiences are plentiful. Uh, Vin says, what about zero injuries of any type where the coma plant and the coma plant, the non-injured people work on is dilapidated and ready for catastrophic failure, this being the state of affairs over the world. Some good points and questions here. And Simon says, Paul, the business has to deliver on whatever campaign or initiative. They have to make the psychological contract between employers and employee real. I thoroughly enjoyed this conversation with you, JP, and I think a lot of the people who are watching this live are, have enjoyed it. You, those who are watching the recorded event will probably reach out to you on LinkedIn and uh, ask you for uh, suggestions and thoughts. Hopefully you're agreeable to them connecting. Of with course, you. I'd love to, yeah. Yep, and um, just some closing thoughts then uh, before we wrap up is that do you think we're at the precipice? in terms of losing the plot and never getting it? Or are we at the point where we can draw it back? I think we have to approach things from a sense of curiosity and looking for perspectives rather than certainty. I think if we can take that as a guiding principle, um, then we can understand differences and try to bridge them. But if we approach it with a sense of certainty, yeah, we really are going to be in trouble. Well, on those words, I would like to say, James Pomeroy, JP, thank you so much for being my guest uh, on Question Time. Uh, my guest in two weeks' time is actually someone you introduced me to, Tristan Casey, and I really oh, look forward good. to that. Good. Fascinating conversation. But wish you all the best of luck in your new job, in your studies. And five years down the road, I'll be knocking on your door. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. <laughs> unless, unless, yeah, unless Vince Butler has zonked my brain out or something. Okay. <laughs> So everybody, thank you for tuning in. Sorry if I've missed any of your questions, but do please reach out to JP and connect on LinkedIn. But other than that, stay safe, stay well, and I will see you in two weeks' time. Adios.